0: Hello and welcome to Threadbare, the Fountaining Podcast. I am your host, GK Rao. Our subject is the Great Nicobar Container Port Project. In the first part, we had discussed the environmental impact with Dr. Pankaj Sheikhsaria. In this edition, we discuss its commercial viability. Our guest is Ms. Gupali Ganekar, Economic Advisor to the Indian National Shipowners Association. Mr. Rupali Ganikar, welcome to Threadwear, the Fountaining podcast. Thank you. Before we start the Q&A proper, could you give us a rundown on the difference between the traditional port and the container transshipment terminal?
1: Actually, both are ports where goods come and goods leave the shores of the port. The only difference is is that a container ship would have a gantry. It is a sort of a (laughs) crane that picks up the containers and puts it on the shore side.
0: That's the only difference.
1: That is the only difference.
0: Thank you. Coming to the first question, the port project on Great Nicobar, it seems to be unique because there's no local industry, trade or manufacturing in the area. Normally ports come up in such places or these things come up because the port is available. So, how do you estimate the commercial viability of this project? Is there a quick answer?
1: Yes. Uh, essentially, the transshipment ports which are doing very, very well in this world, uh, be it Colombo or be it Singapore, if it is a transshipment port, basically, it need not have uh, transshipment ports, need not have their own cargo. They need not have the catchment area of cargo. It is a place where um, a transship... Basically, I have to begin with what is transshipment. Not every two ports in the world have got a direct connection. Uh, suppose uh, there is there are some goods from Calcutta which are headed for, say, Jebel Ali. Now, there, is, there may not be a direct ship going from, you know, the east coast of India to a little ahead of the west coast of India where maybe Dubai or whatever is there. So what happens is there may be a ship from Calcutta which would be passing Colombo. So what will happen is this cargo is picked up and it is dropped at Colombo and another ship will pick it up from Colombo and take it to Jebel Ali. This is transshipment. So the boxes are sent midway or whichever way the routing is decided by the shipping companies uh, sometimes it may not be it may not be the shortest route or the shortest logical route or but container companies do it the way which suits them maybe they have a empty ship going that way or you know th- those are their commercial considerations so a transshipment is where boxes will be dropped and picked up at the convenience of the sellers and at the convenience of the shipping companies. So, a transshipment port need not have its own cargo catchment area
0: also. For India, this is going to be the largest uh, transshipment terminal, isn't it? It's almost twice the size of Mumbai or uh, Mundra. So, wouldn't it be more cost-effective to develop those ports or some other existing facility because... This thing has, is to build built from scratch and it's very far from any part of uh, India. Uh,
1: actually, you know, I mean, how do you say it? the ground situation is that the Mumbai port and, uh, be, and be it Mundra or any other of these container ports uh, on the West Coast, I mean the mainland. I'm talking only about the West Coast. They are so busy the ports itself earn more when actual cargo comes. Exim uh, for transshipment cargo, generally the port rates and everything is concessional. So I don't think there is place and capacity to develop transshipment at an existing container port
0: on the West Coast. On the East Coast though, you have uh, Chennai, which is quite a large port and... uh... Uh, So why would they not consider that rather than go this far out of the way?
1: To get our macros right, what works as a transshipment port is largely decided by the container shipping companies. It is not decided by us. You know, I mean, it is uh, not for... The government can invest in any port that it wants. But whether it takes off or not is actually in the hands of the I am saying the foreign container companies because India India does not have that kind of container capacity. So it is today a Maersk or a MSc who is going to decide which port works as a transshipment port. And they will decide basis the costs involved, or they will decide, you know, they, their basis their convenience or their routing pattern or whatever is their routing formula. If it fits in that if there is a lot of, you know, kind of concessions that are given to them, then they will uh, pick up any port and make it a transshipment port.
0: So what you're saying is that unless these uh, large uh, shipping companies actually favor a particular place, it's going to be very difficult for that, any site to come up as a major transshipment terminal.
1: Yes, absolutely. That is why uh, Valar Padam did not take off.
0: Now there are at least three major international uh, container transshipment terminals: Colombo, Port Lang, and Singapore. Port Lang's existing capacity is fourteen point two million TEUs. Now, why would existing customers, you know, leave them for this uh, place on uh, Great Nicobar?
1: Again, I'm saying the customer does not not decide uh, which transshipment port to favor.
0: What I meant by customer was actually the shipping companies.
1: Only if the costing that is offered is uh, far lower than the others. Or you work out some exclusive arrangement with them, you know, that you give them one terminal there to to develop. Some exclusive uh, you know rights to carry some cargo or something or the rates it has to be something that they would you know it would be worth their while
0: to shift from one place to another yes you know Singapore has a reputation as a ferocious competitor so and line is not far behind but Singapore is the real uh, competitor in the sense that they are really aggressive
1: yes yes and one of the busiest ports in the world so actually it is a um it that is why one of the reasons why this port new upcoming project looks promising if there is there are so many port volumes so close by, so it means there are ships coming and there is cargo there.
0: If you gain customers, somebody else loses them. so the competitors are bound to retaliate. So how do you you know factor in this kind of response and how do you evaluate it?
1: I wouldn't know. In my understanding, there are two ways that a port will work. One, the companies will should favor you. The global container company should favor you. And they should adopt your port or, you know, one terminal in that port. Uh, and the government has to make it worth their while. That is one way of looking at it. Another thing that comes to my mind is that there is a lot of regional cargo over there. There is a BIMSTEC area, the ASEAN area if India would use its good offices or, you know, use its look east policy for those countries to send their cargo to this new port for transshipment. So, you know, there is so much cargo that the global shipping companies would like to stop there. That is another way of looking at it. There are only two ways that a port will work.
0: Okay, this island is also described as being of strategic importance because it uh, dominates the sea lane that leads to the Malacca Strait. And the Malacca Strait is one of the biggest uh, cargo carriers. So how is this strategic location going to be exploited? Because this is a point that the project report makes. Uh,
1: From what I understand, from what I have read about uh, from other you know think tanks and all that. The point that they're tra- trying to make is that uh, just to get access to Indian Ocean sea lanes, China is making huge investments in Myanmar and in so many countries just to get access to a place that is ours. Basically, I I don't know whether I am putting it correctly. What I am saying is Nicob- Nicobar is part of India. Uh, all the E Z, all the waters over there, they are indias so we don't have to pay to get access to it all we need to do is develop it because it is cl- so close to the strategic sea lanes and uh, all that uh, argument so why not develop a port there see the port definitely has the natural advantage uh, if you look at all the bimstec countries part of our india's look east policy all those countries can also bring their transshipment, you know, how do you say, Singapore is farther than Nicobar to all these countries.
0: So you're saying that if countries like Myanmar and Thailand and uh, others in that arc,
1: Yes, Bangladesh.
0: Can, be yeah, Bangladesh. can be persuaded to come to...
1: Yes, if their cargoes are going to Singapore, then why not to Nicobar? You know, we have to make it worth their while. That is, you know, you have bilaterals, you have so many forums where you can get, this can be discussed and sorted out.
0: So what you're saying is that commercial viability is very much dependent on whether the big shipping companies, the, you know, the Maersk's and others decide that this is worth it. And secondly, this should be, has to be the government's baby because persuading Things like, uh, you know, entities like BIMSTEC countries to use this port rather than others depends a lot on how much the government can give them.
1: See, uh, I would think that uh, I have read this extensively that uh, what China is doing is uh, the Chinese military navy and the Chinese commercial navy, whatever the military navy needs, it makes the commercial Navy buy it and uh, it it is built in such a way it is built for dual use so I would like to believe that maybe strategically India needs to develop this so they are also trying to see whether it will be commercially viable
0: point is that this particular project the first thing is that the Navy has to outline its uh, preferences and its requirements in terms of the strategic Scenario, and then
1: uh... Uh, no. I would like to say that we that is a very strategic place, but we do not have infrastructure there. Now, if we do not have infrastructure, and we are going to spend a lot on developing the adequate infrastructure, then why not also a commercial angle to it? Uh, incidentally. Uh, colombo also as a port colombo needs to import everything for its own population Uh, colombo does not have industry and there are so many apart from you know agriculture and cash crops i'm just giving you what i have telling you what i have read it needs most of the needs of uh, uh, sri lankans the needs have to be imported so they needed a state-of-the-art port so they decided then why not give anyway we need to build a port, anyway we need to maintain it, then why not give, a, give away our port facilities so cheap that it is used for transshipment and we also get you know volume business. So maybe they are this is the same sensibility that they are trying. I mean, this is all speculation.
0: So, uh, would you agree that uh, this project? Is not just about the money that you might uh, make as a port operation, but there are other considerations, like, as you said, uh, ways of uh, trying to optimize strategy with commerce.
1: Yes, I would like to think that. Because, uh, you know, the environment argument, I saw the part one of uh, this podcast, they seem to be uh, compelling, But on the other hand, also, what I feel is that even Mumbai was just seven islands, right? And today it is developed as, you know, the commercial capital of India. So maybe with our knowledge, all the mistakes that we made while developing Mumbai, in terms of environment and environmental costs, we will take care and we'll be smart and we will mix environment protection and commercial and strategic considerations, you know, better. Because we... Have the experience now.
0: Thank you, Ms. Kanekar, for giving us your time.
1: There is just one point, though, I would like to make. Uh, there is there is a, a government only press release that I saw on the potential. You know that Indian ports can save around two hundred or two twenty million dollars each year on transshipment cargo. Six. You know it is like sixteen hundred and sixty crores per year. This. Is a compelling argument, but uh, you know, there is an I don't know whether this is the platform to say it, but there is a more compelling argument that today, uh, as I work for INSA, Indian National Ship Owners Organization, I would like to say that our freight bill is 52 billion dollars per year. Maybe we need, you know, these kind of investments and this kind of vision also so that we save those 52 billion dollars because the entire The entire narrative for the last 4-5 years is like how to bring transshipment to India. Nobody is talking about how do we carry our own cargo and save $52 billion per year.
0: That's an interesting point. Thank you very much.